There was a rather peculiar limerick being delivered by someone in the shuttlecraft bay. I am not sure I understand it. There was a young lady from Venus whose body was shaped like a... Captain to security, come in! Did I say something wrong? I don't understand their humor either. Live long and prosper. Don't do that. I am not a merry man. Hey, everybody. I'm Peter, and I'm embarrassed on how I spend my free time. He's a transdimensional plut- photonic life form. He's plutonic, too. It's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the show where I miss Star Wars. More every <laughs> I know. Day. Yep. We are the podcast that usually expand or explores the Star Wars expanded universe through deep dives of TVs, movies, comics, and everything else. But we are currently on a limited series, the penultimate episode of a limited series where we are exploring the Star Trek universe. So schedule-wise, I think you might be interested to know this is our second to last, the penultimate episode. We are going to do one more episode of this, and then we are going to jump into Book of Boba Fett. It's coming. It's so close. I know it's crazy how close it really snuck up on me. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, it's going to be so long, so long, so long. It's next week. Oh my God. It's crazy. Yeah. So I am excited. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Mike, how are you? How's your weekends going uh, so it's far? Been pretty quiet over here. I did, we did a little traveling and now we're back home. Very happy to be home. Ooh, you had an fun. event last night. How did that go? You had a, your winter formal. You've been hosting for quite a long time. I am. Um, I just texted you a picture. Don't look at it yet, but. Um, I, so I do this, my band throws this yearly event. It's the highlight of my year. We, we it's a big charity wow, concert of your year. It's, it's great. We dress all fancy and go to a dive bar and then <clears throat> we play some rock and roll music and all the money goes to the Alameda County community food bank. It's a great thing. So we did it last night. It was a fun night. Um, COVID made things a little weird. This, yeah. you know, yeah. Weird, weird turnout, weird vibes, but the bands were great. A show in COVID sounds, yeah. I, I can't, I can't fathom. <laughs> I, I was in an, a, a large crowd, and I can't fathom being in a large crowd in a small room. That sounds yeah. a little scary, won't I? You know, we're all vaxxed and max masked. We um, checked proof of vaccination before, and everyone kept their masks on, which was nice. And it was, it was a nice night overall. I've been to a couple shows, and I, I've actually felt pretty safe. Um, we actually did a big show and with even more people and that went off without a hitch and no one got sick. And so oh, that nice. was nice. So we did our benefit show last night, which is again, weird vibes, but everyone made the best of it. We ended up making a good chunk of money for the food bank. So I'm happy. I'm proud. My wife saying it was great. Uh, I get out from the bar, I'm walking to my car to go load up and three of my windows were smashed, yeah. which is a great Cherry on top of a wonderful night. Yeah. Um, there's nothing in my car, too. It seems like they weren't even trying to get to something. They just smashed it to smash it. So I was at closing time of a bar cleaning out broken glass from the back of my window yeah. when a storm started. So last night was the first day of a storm wow. here. Yeah. So I got home and just was way too tired and my office space right now is in my garage. I have a little music and podcast space set up in my garage. And I just, we have a couch and it's a nice little cool space. 
I get home last night quite late and just move everything to the side of my garage and fit my wife's SUV or not SUV, a uh, little, she has a RAV4. She put that into my garage for the very first time. There is a car in my garage where I work, where I'm currently podcasting right now. Oh, hilarious. That is what I just sent you a picture of. I don't know if you can describe it. I don't know if there is a way to describe it, but I want you to see my workstation right It just looks right packed. Now. It just looks utterly packed. I am very, very cramped. I am literally, my back is touching a car while I'm podcasting right now. I don't know wow. what it'll do to my sound, but that was a fun way to end my night. And then extra cherry on top, I just feel like this is going to freak you out. Can you guess what time I ended up actually going to sleep last night? Oh, my God. You didn't? I did, luckily. Oh, my, God. Four? You nailed it. Oh, that sounds terrible, man. I'm yep. so sorry. So, wild, wild night last night. You know what? I'm keeping things in perspective. I'm being zen about it. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, laughing at it, but... Whew. Wow. I'm getting some I'm getting the extra strong tea and making it through this podcast, damn it. Oh my god. Peter, what a night. I know, right? But I'm glad it the night overall it went sounds well. Chaotic. Uh, just yeah. Just wild, wild times. No, you but, missed that joke. I said it sounds chaotic. Uh, oh, I love that. Thank you. I'm sorry. I might not be completely on my game. My wife is like, Why are you doing this? You need like you need to take a rest. And you know what? This fills my battery. I wanted to talk about Star Trek with my friend Mike because wow. I thought it would make me feel better. This is self care for me, so wow! Thank yeah. you for joining me. Thank you for anyone you, who's listening. Welcome. <laughs> oh, it is. Okay. I am excited to jump into this, Mike. Are you ready to just jump in and talk about this episode of Star Trek Voyager? Probably more than you are, I guess. <laughs> this is no ordinary mission. What was that? No ordinary ship. Captain Proton, surrender! Not a chance. And no ordinary crew. Ha! You're no match for Arachnia. It's a fantasy gone wild. Power the death ray! But the danger... Uh, incoming. ...is all too real. We're going down! ...on the next <laughs> Star Trek Voyager. All right, let's start with a summary. <clears throat> the Adventures of Captain Proton! Chapter 18, Bride of Chaotica, the evil Dr. Chaotica kidnaps Constant Goodheart and plans to sacrifice her to Arachnia, queen of the spider people. Ah! Did you like my scream sound effect? It was, it, was exactly, it was exactly like the show. Thank you. Captain Proton, a.k.a. Tom Paris and Harry Kim, in the role of trusty sidekick Buster Kincaid, are startled when their 1930s black and white B-movie sex romp is interrupted by a colorful energy anomaly. Outside the holodeck, the starship Voyager grinds to a halt as major ship systems go offline for no clear reason. Eventually connecting the dots between the disturbance in the holodeck and the ship's system failure, even though it should really be the first place you look, it's always the holodeck's fault. Yeah. Captain Janeway is roped into her crew's cosplay session and is forced to dress up and dial up the horniness to seduce Dr. Chaotica and dismantle his evil death ray, currently wreaking havoc on a very real species of photonic beings. Time to uncork the pheromones as we discuss Season 5, Episode 12 of Star Trek Voyager, Bride of Chaotica. Wow. Wow. You... There's already... 
you said the word <laughs> horny a lot. <laughs> yeah. I guess I I guess I missed and I I was like, what episode did you watch? <laughs> yeah, I I I'm almost like getting a sick pleasure of all the weird Star Trek in jokes that I'm putting in here that you're just like, wait, is that real? Is that a joke? Yeah, exactly. That it lets me it gives me something to talk about, which is nice. Okay, this, is, this is setting the stage for a conversation. That's fair. So um I think let's start there. Uh I so the holodeck is a very interesting piece of technology and maybe controversial. I think a lot of people don't kind of like the holodeck episodes. Um, it's a very famous development in human technology in this universe that was introduced in the next generation, but retconned later to kind of be in the past series as well. So basically it's a simulator that can be programmed to recreate literally anything in a solid holographic form. So everything on the holodeck is a holograph except for it has mass and weight and can you can touch it. Um, it's mainly used for training and research, but also mainly for entertainment. So that's kind of the joke is there's always a subtext of if you could... If you could holographically make any situation, what would you actually use it for? <laughs> um, and the joke is there's probably a lot of people having sex on the holodeck. And yeah. so uh, there's just fair. a lot of weird like subtext of like, you know, they're playing Captain. Like, so, for example, in Deep Space Nine, Dr. Bashir, the doctor that we briefly met in that episode that we watched, he has a James Bond-esque story that he does all the time where he plays James Bond. And I huh. mean... They never show it in the show, but they heavily imply that he goes all the way with his damsels in distress. So there's a there's a lot of implied horniness on the holodeck. Wow. Um, Some other some background about some other things where I said it's always the holodeck's fault is that the holodeck has safety protocols that makes the the holograms harmless to humans. Um, You see it in this episode, actually, because remember Janeway shot kind of with a laser, but it doesn't do anything. And she's kind of like, oh, you can't harm me. But the safeties can be either intentionally turned off like. Worf, for example, he's a Klingon, and it would be dishonorable to fight any enemy that could not harm you. And so he would turn off the safeties on the holodeck when he does his like battle training, because if he can't die, then it's not worth training. But the other thing is, it can unintentionally be turned off by either bugs or errors in the system or sabotage, which happens all the freaking time. Yeah, seems like a terrible idea to keep on your ship. It's wild. Like this, the holodeck. There are a lot of holodeck episodes throughout Star Trek, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to show you this is because it would be kind of a shame to do this jump into Star Trek without talking about the holodeck episodes. Um, And pretty much every episode, something goes wrong and someone's put into mortal danger. It's basically a a death trap on every single ship, and it's insane that anyone allows them to be on a ship. It's wild. Um, But some notable, I want to talk about real quick about some notable holodeck programs to kind of get a feel of maybe why it's a little controversial. I find, I find it fun because it lets you do kind of wacky, weird one-off episodes, but some people find them corny. So some notable ones is there's a new Orleans jazz club that Riker would go and play his trombone in. And I remember an episode where he also seduces some hollow ladies by rocking some smooth jazz. Um, 
it was also used for like training and sports. He fought his dad in one episode in some really funny future sport that's sure. played with giant Q-tips that looks kind of like American Gladiator. Sure. Um, Picard was fond of a horse riding program, and he also used to do this 1940s style black and white uh, gangster program that was set in San Francisco where he plays Detective Dickie Hill. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen, I've seen. Yeah, those are kind of fun. And then probably the most infamous ones that I can think of is in Next Generation. There was a Robin Hood episode where they all got trapped in and were forced Uh. to play as Robin Hood and his merry men. That's where that quote from the beginning of our show that I put in where we're like, I am not a merry man. That's where that's from. Um, And there's also an episode where there's like a John Wayne-esque Western where Worf Mm -hmm. is like the sheriff in town. He has to fight a gang of killer datas. Um, so there's some wacky hijinks that always go on, on the holodeck. And in this episode, it's like a kind of, it was a 1930s flash Gordon esque B movie sci-fi vibe for this one. Gordon flash Gordon. Yeah. How did you, how did you feel about the holodeck in general? How did you like them pulling this off? How did you like kind of the break in the science fictiony one-off weirdness of this episode? Um, I can almost speak to them separately. Um, I'll start with the episode is fun. Like the, the narrative, like the flash Gordon, you know, very, very forties, fifties thing was fun and wasn't enjoyable. Like almost felt like mystery science theater type <laughs> yeah. take, taking a bite out of like, I don't know. It was, so that was fun. I think the hollow deck is conceptually cool, but narratively really cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like as a narrative device, it's, I mean, it's so like the frame narrative around the, you know, the bride of chaotica story is, is stupid. It's like, <laughs> like we're using a thing for entertainment and like seven of nine, you know, you can see seven of nine being like, why do you stupid human do this? And yeah, totally. Whoever that guy is who I, I utterly think is maybe the worst Star Trek character I've ever met. Um, the it's like, it's like, it's for entertainment. No, the, the guy who played Captain Proton. Oh, interesting. What's um, that guy's name? Tom Paris. He's he a fan. Is, he's a fan favorite. That's interesting. He is just so, he's such a white man. Know it all. He's like, to like everyone. He's like, you know, now you've, now you understand what I'm talking about. Or like, yeah, duh. That's like, he's, he's just so condescending. And also like, is he in Gilmore girls? He reminds me of someone. I don't know. Huh. Um, I don't know. He looks like Rory's dad. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, so that's a long rant of like, I, the hollow deck is, it could be cool. It feels misused at, from a story perspective. Like it just feels misused. Um, but uh, that being said, the episode was fun. And I remember, I'm trying to remember where I've seen episodes. I like the hollow deck. There are, there are actually Voyager episodes where the hollow deck is used in ways I like. I can't remember because it was so long ago when I was a kid, but this one feels yeah. just like, but anything where the hollow deck puts people in peril on the ship is where it falls apart for me. It's like, mm-hmm. just make the hollow deck like not, uh, you know, not dangerous to the crew. <laughs> and then yeah, I would totally. like it. But the second it becomes dangerous, you would just be like, well, let's, we better turn this thing off. 
Yeah, totally. It's but that's always the that's always the bug. It's not, it can't turn off. Even in this episode, the system's down. We can't turn it off. We're trapped in this. We're in this death trap, but we can't well, turn it off. Well, well I mean, just, more, yeah, I mean, not cheap, like just right? turn off, turn it off in that moment, but like turn it off forever. Like the captain should be like, <laughs> oh, that went bad once. We no one can ever use it again. I know we're space space OSHA. This can't be yeah. like this can't be workplace compliant, right? No. So that's that's my issue. So I don't like the holodeck for that, but mm-hmm. it's. If the yeah, I think it, it it's that simple. Just make it so like the holodeck episodes like no one can be harmed. There's no real real peril, but it's just a way to tell these kind of fun and goofy stories mm-hmm. and for the crew to escape and make that always the frame narrative of like Picard had a rough day and he needs to just uh, escape and he's gonna be trapped in this thing for an hour. I don't totally. know, like that's fine, but I don't need like the and we're stuck in subspace because mm-hmm. of this. You know, yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, totally. I, I, I get that. I did look up um, that the actor who played um, Tom Paris, I do not think, was, was in Gilmore Girls, Robert Duncan McNeil. Um, that's funny. So that has been laid to bed. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, um, so I will preface this too, and I think it, this would be interesting to recap kind of your feelings about Voyager in general. This is... Uh, I picked this obviously because we're doing a tour of the Star Trek universe. This is one series that has a lot of love from the fans. I have very fond memories of it. You even said that you watched it when you were a kid. And so you have some fond memories and really like this series. Um, but, but we were both young when we watched it. So yeah, I don't remember a lot about this and I haven't gotten to it yet in my, in my rewatch of all of the episodes. So in a lot of ways, I'm seeing this almost for the first time mm. with you, which is kind of interesting. Um, so I can't speak to it from my personal experience because I do kind of pick up what you're talking about with the Tom Paris character. That being said, Tom Paris and Harry Kim, the two main guys in the holodeck, Captain Proton and his sidekick are kind of the two fan favorites of that people love those characters. And I think maybe it didn't come off that well in this episode, but what, from what I remember, I think they are both kind of the, um, Like, I think their characters are less know-it-all, like, jerks and more um, dorks that are cool with being dorks. Like, he's not ashamed of his, like, dorky holodeck program. You know, he's like, no, it's fun. Like, I like it. It's kind of like, it feels like me and you doing a Star Wars podcast. Like, you know, Mm. we're like, yeah, we do a Star Wars podcast. It's cool. Whatever. We like it. Um, And so I think kind of that naivete and they bring some human element to it. Maybe I remember hearing and seeing, but again, mm-hmm. I'm revisiting this for the first time. And so completely out of context, it is interesting to see how you remember characters. And so I definitely pick that up. Mm. Uh, um, speaking of you liking other holodeck episodes, I mean, there's, there's been holodeck and all the modern series for sure. Um, this is interesting because the bride of chaotica story is actually a recurring thing. This ep- in the fifth season of Voyager, they introduced it for the first time, and this is the second or third time we've seen not Bride of Chaotica, um, Captain Proton. So there's been a number of Captain Proton episodes, and people were kind of like, "Those are so cool, we love them, like do them a bunch of times." And so it was a recurring weird bit on this. Um, and actually, most of the most of the people in the cast and the people who made it say that this was probably their most favorite episode to make. And you can kind of tell like yeah, how much fun Janeway is having in this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. She oh, looked yeah. on her hair. 
Oh yeah, totally. They're like really chewing up the scenery, oh, really oh going it's, for it. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it works. It, it works, but you can totally see it. But it, yeah, it, again, totally, it, it works and it's fun. Yeah, but I think you're you're nailing something because I think that's a little bit of the controversy with the holodeck episodes. Like, it's not uncommon for you to you know, look up a forum where they're talking about some episode of Star Trek and people are just like, oh, another effing holodeck episode. Because I think it's the culmination of what you're saying. It feels a little bit cheap. You can kind of do whatever you want. And then also, you know, it feels like if you want to live in that Star Trek universe, you're kind of taking a break from it, which doesn't work for a lot of people, which I understand. You know, it's like, what if we yeah. were watching like, you know, Star Wars or The Mandalorian and then all of a sudden they had like a an episode in like, 2020 yeah. San Francisco that was a musical. You'd be like, wait, what? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's weird. It's it's not as bad. It's funny. I have there are certain episodes of things I I can't watch. Like mm-hmm. the worst of all worst kinds of episodes are um like memory episodes. Like I'm thinking of like friends. Like remember that time we did that thing? Uh, and it's like a, a whole uh, episode of like flashing back. Like that's unforgivably horrendous to me in terms of TV, but yeah. the holodeck episodes, I don't think I would skip them if I was watching it. Cause I do think they're fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that I would rewatch them. Yeah. There is one that I, I do remember fondly and I think it's just because, well, first of all, I want to say if there is a notoriously bad flashback episode in next generation, I think it's in the first season and they literally ran out of budget to make enough episodes for the season. So they're like, yeah, it's usually what why it don't is. we just like, okay, Riker's in surgery. Cause he, something's wrong with him and his life is flashing before his eyes. And it was literally just like, they filmed him on a hospital bed and they, they would like go into his memories and his dreams. And it was just clips from the whole first season of the show. And it was so bad. So yeah, yeah just be aware of that. Um, but yeah, I think that I, th- I find them fun and I, I, I think people scoff about this, but I'm a big Data fan and also Picard as well. And there's a really funny quirk about Data that for some reason he's obsessed with Sherlock Holmes. Data even got so into it that he programmed his own holodeck where he would be Sherlock Holmes and he would bring Jordy and other people in to act as like Watson and solve mysteries. And it's actually a kind of interesting premise where he's a super genius computer and that how do you, how do you, create a mystery that a super genius computer who's read everything about Sherlock Holmes couldn't solve or was a challenge for him. Mm. And what ends up happening is the holodeck, they program it in a dangerous way that the holodeck raises the stakes so much that the villain Moriarty from uh, Sherlock Holmes actually becomes sentient within the holodeck and turns off all of the safeties and is able to hijack the ship from within the holodeck. And it's kind of a weird moral conundrum where they essentially created a life form and he's not trying to destroy the ship. He's not trying to be like, you know, be a bad person. He's just like, Hey, I now know that I'm alive and I'm a holodeck that's alive. You brought me to life and that sucks. So how are you going to fix this? Like, how are you going to make it so I can actually have a life and leave this holodeck and be an actual being. And it's this weird moral conundrum where they have to, I don't know, figure out what to do. Like the technology doesn't exist for that. So how do you negotiate with this person that you brought into life? Weird. Or do you just turn them off and essentially snuff out this life you just created? It's there, that, there's some really cool, fascinating things in there, but a lot of times it is just kind of like a weird, yeah, like 
jaunt through Sherlock Forest or something like that. Yeah. I I can get how it's controversial for sure. I definitely want to watch the Robin Hood one. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun and silly. Um, so I want to talk about Voyager a little bit high level, and then we will narrow down exactly on the rest of this episode. But we we mentioned that you are a Voyager fan. Do you want to expand a little bit more about kind of how you came to it, what you remember of watching it? Well, I just watched it, I mean, back when you didn't have, you couldn't pick what was on TV. Mm-hmm. What was on TV? What was on TV? <laughs> um, and it was just on at the time that I could watch TV. It was probably on like from eight to nine at night on whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was a huge star Wars fan and you know, Star Trek was always an adjacent thing that I had some friends were into. So I watched probably all of Voyager when it was on, but never rewatched it. Mm -hmm. And seven of nine, probably like everyone was my childhood crush. Yep. Um, like so many, so that's nothing new. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a lot of characters I'm really fond of. Um, and, Janeway might be my favorite captain. Um, probably is. Not might be. Is Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, we usually like to dive into the characters in more of a, s- a structured segment. But like I said, I don't really know these characters as well because like you, I haven't watched since I was a kid. So I think we can just generally talk about characters that come up. Maybe won't hit everyone. But I think Janeway is really key to this series in a lot of ways. And she's such a cool, interesting character. I mean, obviously, being the first female captain, that representation is very cool. And she is a badass. Um, also, the other thing that's interesting is I think they dropped it in this episode, which is kind of interesting. Do you know about the colors of the uniforms? Like what all the different pieces of like whatever one is on the ship? No, no. I know red is the common low. Yeah. So it's um, it's broad, broad categories. And this this chain, like this was different in the original series and they kind of retconned it after Next Generation. But canonically now... Red is command track, so anyone who's wearing red is either like a captain or they're going to be a boss of someone. They're they're essentially management, or mm. they are ensigns that are going to work up to being management. So you could still have red on, but be the lowest level in the in the crew because you're going to try to rank up, right? And so when you become a captain, you get your red uniform. Um, yellow is operations, so those are like engineers. Those are people oh, who are security, just people who get you know the day to day get keep the ship running, right? And then blue is science. So blue is people doing experiments. They're people who, they're doctors. They're, you know, people who go out and test different chemicals and are cartographers and things like that. Um, And so the interesting thing about Janeway is she's the only captain that actually started in the sciences track. She had a blue uniform. And I think she said something about like, you know, back when I was in sciences and she just worked her way up from that and then ended up being, a captain of the ship. And so I think that's really interesting. Um, canonically. It kind of reminds me of discovery to some degree. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a cool thing because she comes from it from a different place. You know, a lot of the people who are on the command track, almost all of them started with the red uniform. And so all they ever wanted to do was be a captain of a ship. They all wanted to, you know, command people and be a leader. And she is a leader in every way, but she brings a different perspective. She's more curious. She has more of a thoughtful mind. She's not just, you know, She's not, she's not Kirk. Who's just like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to punch someone with two hands in a weird way and have sex with a bunch of lizard people or whatever Kirk is always up to. Um, you know, he's all macho. She's kind of the thoughtful, really, I don't know. She's just a really cool captain. I love it. And I think it's really good for Voyager canonically 
I don't know if you remember much about the story, but Voyager is a much smaller ship than the Enterprise, for example. I think there's only 130 people on it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it was, it was a new ship that was created to get back to the core exploration and discovery mm. uh, ideals of the Federation. They were like, you know, we've been at war. We have all these ships that can blow things up. Let's make a ship that can like really just do science and explore. And that's what Voyager was. And so that's why she's such a perfect captain for it. Her goal is to explore and bring understanding in a very mm. cool way. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think Janeway was awesome and she was so good in this episode. I thought I really love like when she gets into her arachnia, yeah. get up and again, choose the scenery. It was, it was compelling in a very cool way. Mm. Um, do you remember anything about kind of the premise of Voyager? Like, what's the thing that makes Voyager special? No, not at all. I don't know if I ever knew. So this is what the background that I think drapes everything in Voyager extremely interesting to. So I'm going to try to make this as quick and coherent as possible. But, you know, this takes place in our real Milky Way galaxy. So that's where when they talk about the galaxy they're exploring, it's the Milky Way, the one we're in right now. And in Star Trek, it's split into four quadrants. Like, just imagine you split it up like four slices of pizza, right? And mm. Earth is on the border of the Alpha and the Beta Quadrant. And the Beta Quadrant stretches and has, like, the Klingon Empire, the Romulan Empire. It's stuff we've explored. Deep Space Nine, we talked about, guards a wormhole that instantly trans people, transports people from the Alpha Quadrant to the Gamma Quadrant, which was, like, previously unexplored. And there's all these new enemies, like a really scary race called the dominions there um but now we have this wormhole we could travel back and forth the uh the delta quadrant has never been explored at all the only thing we know is it's where the home of the borg which is probably the scariest villain in all of star trek and but we don't really know anything about it no one's ever been in the delta quadrant it's very far away Essentially, on Voyager's first mission, and I won't give any spoilers exactly how this happens, but something crazy happens, and they're instantly transported 70,000 light years away from the Alpha Quadrant to the Delta Quadrant. And so they are put in this area where they know nothing about it, and it would take them 70 years to get home from where mm -hmm. they're at. And there's no way to like transport back instantly. There's no wormholes or anything like that. And so they're essentially a ship lost at sea. They're out of contact from the Federation. They have no way to contact home. They have no way to know what's going on. And they don't know what's in this quadrant. It's unexplored. It's dangerous. The Borg are out there somewhere. Um, and so I think that concept is so interesting because, first of all, it introduces a bunch of new worlds and new aliens, a bunch of other things that we haven't seen in Star Trek. But also there's this existential dread that permeates it, kind of like Battlestar Galactica, where... You know, everyone on this crew, there's 130 people on this crew. Best case scenario, you make it home in 70 years and everything you know and love might be gone. Maybe Earth doesn't even exist. Starfleet might not exist. Like, who knows what, what's going to happen in 70 years? Like, your whole family, your entire life is just away. And so it brings up these interesting moral questions to me. Like, what does it mean to even be in Starfleet? Like, it's interesting to me, we rewatching it with that context. Like, why are they still even in their uniforms? Right? Yeah, like they, they're. What does it mean to have this command structure, to have this organization, and when you're essentially stranded on a desert island, you know, um, and you don't have a command structure to over. Like it's not like 
you know, if someone wants a mutiny, it's not like Star Starfleet Command is going to come and police you. Like you don't have anyone there to look after you as well. And then mm -hmm. also just like, what is the holodeck mean? Like they're having this fun romp on the holodeck, but like they're doing it really to distract themselves from the existential dread of being so alone in a vast universe. And I think that's mm. a really interesting idea for a series. And so that's the context of, of Voyager. And I think that's really cool. Um, mm. Does any of that ring a bell for you, Mike? No. Uh, but I, I, yeah, you know, I watched it when I was so young. Yeah, I, totally. It's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Totally. It makes me want to know how it ends. Cause that feels like more than any other, Star yep. Trek before it has an arc that needs resolution. Yep. Well, I mean, the the series went on for seventy years, and then they made it home after slowly, slowly just warping home. Really? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Well, I uh, mean, I know the. I know you're talking TV yeah. series, guys. Yeah, I meant oh, okay. like they had seventy seasons. No, it's the longest running. No, I. Uh, it, it's it's fun. Um, so I I think the concept's really cool. I don't remember exactly how it ends, but it's you know, it's this weird hope and like, they'll come across weird things. Like I do remember one episode that they end up finding a planet and there's humans on the planet and you're just like, wait, what the hell? How's this happen? And so yeah. it, it asked some very cool, interesting questions. They were able to kind of play outside the box a little bit with Voyager, which I like quite a bit. Yeah. Well, that's good. And I think probably that if I can just like make it, make a guess, I think probably Voyager taking that kind of arc though mm -hmm. is the development of story over years because I think an episode, you know, the original Star Trek had a premise, but not necessarily a plot. Yeah, and I think people just are hungry for like, you know, an overarching like why a reason to do like why, well, but why to this kind of thing, uh, yeah. similar to Battlestar Galactica. That I mean, you know, underneath it all, there was one-off episodes, but underneath it all, it was about trying to get back home, right? Totally. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of storytelling, I, I don't think you saw that until, I don't know, 70s, 80s, that kind of like deeper story under the story. Uh, yeah, totally. And so I think it's interesting. Um, I'll say the last um, background thing before we really get into, I mean, there's not that many notes for this episode other than wanting to know exactly how you felt about it. But other than getting to the notes of this specific episode is I want to point out that I mentioned, you know, the representation on this show I thought was very cool. Voyager is actually notable for being the most gender balanced Star Trek series. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Discovery now. Discovery is pretty, very, very well re represented in a lot of extremely cool ways, especially with the LGBTQ community. Um, but Voyager was notable for being, are, are you aware of the Bechdel test? Yeah. Um, the Bechdel test for anyone who doesn't know, it's a, it's a test that asks whether or not uh, a work of art, like a movie or TV show features at least two women who talk to the, each other about something other than a man. And yeah. it's just a very so basic, I know it's a basic thing that a lot of things surprisingly don't, don't pass. pass. I know it's just insane. Um, but Voyager is notably one of the shows that has the highest Bechdel test rating of all time um, because there are so many characters in power that are female in this show. Seven of That's nine, awesome. Bellana Taurus, um, Janeway, obviously. And, you know, they're talking about science. They're talking about how to save the day. They're, you know, they're leading a ship and being badasses in a way that was pretty rare for the 90s. So I think yeah. that's something that's really cool and interesting to call out again for Star Trek. And I, I think that is definitely important. Yeah. And it's interesting 
it's not even a con- it doesn't it doesn't have to be a controversial thing either. Yeah, like I, when I was a kid, I just didn't even notice that they yeah. were just cool. They were just like it, it's like when you make it a thing that it becomes a thing. I know that's such a vague statement, mm-hmm. but like as a kid, you know, as a whatever ten year old, nine year old, however old I was watching this, I wasn't like, where are all the men? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so it's like the more yeah, yeah. Um, so now it comes to this. Generally speaking, uh, how did you like this specific episode? Uh, I mean, I, 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 I liked it overall. Overall, yeah. I liked it because the, you know, where we spent the bulk of the time was fun enough. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was goofy enough that it worked. Um, again, I just don't like the frame. Yeah. I just don't like the frame around it. I, you know, it's, it just felt like false stakes. And you just didn't need it. Again, it could have it could have been as easy as like we're going into the holodeck for some fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Captain Janeway, we need you to help us resolve this because if not, we won't be able to ever use the holodeck for anything else. Yeah. I, you know, I just like I just didn't like the false stakes of like the the subspace getting trapped in subspace. That just felt like it was reaching. I was like, eh, okay, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, I. Uh... It's it's interesting. I'm starting to see the type of Star Trek fan, if you would call yourself a Star Trek fan at the end of this experiment, um, what type of Star Trek fan you are, and you may not be a holodeck Star Trek fan, which is interesting. Um, I, I agree. I think I, I have more love for the holodeck episode, so it doesn't bug me as much, but I could definitely see that note. Um, one thing I did want to say that I did really enjoy is the concept of this interdimensional being that's photonic. Um I feel like that's a really cool concept that I never really thought of is that there could be an entire existence of another universe and another dimension where all the life forms there are made of light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they scan the carbon based life forms, the humans, and they're like, you don't exist. Just like if we were to scan sentient holograms, we'd be like, oh yeah, they're not real. They're just holograms. And I thought that was kind of a really interesting thing. And the mm. way it kind of got meshed into their fake holodeck, and they they couldn't tell what was right and what was or what was real, what wasn't, and they had to kind of play this game to win them. Especially, I loved the bit where the doctor, because the doctor is a hologram. Mm. Um, if you remember that, I don't know if you did. Um, Which one is the? Do- oh yeah, 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 yeah. The bald, the bald dude. Yeah, um, he's yeah, awesome. He's, yeah, he's a really great character. I remember loving a lot on that series. Um, but he is a hologram, and so that's why they get right. him to yeah. play the president of Earth to, you know, make a negotiation with this being, um, which I thought was another funny and cool concept. Um, did you did you like the kind of the alien that was introduced in this? The robot. What's alien? The like the people in the suits, the photonic like interdimensional beings, the ones that were fighting Chaotica. Oh, uh, I I don't know why I felt like they were not memorable. I barely remember oh, them. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. it's weird. Yeah, I thought that I I thought it was a very cool concept. Hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I thought this episode was pretty fun and successful. Um, which I, I think you thought it was fun as well. And I think yeah. a lot of it was the way they did the Captain Proton uh, experience, I will say. Mm. I think, um, honestly, this is probably one of the better pulled off holodeck episodes because a lot of times they can be a little cheesy. Like the the Sherlock, or not the Sherlock Holmes one, that actually I thought was pretty good. The Robin Hood one just looks like they just went to a random forest and bought like Robin Hood costumes from the Halloween store. 
Um, so so I think they really did a good job with the way they did the dramatic intro and the screams and the, you know, the Captain Proton black and white title screen. And like, it's just done really, really well. And something that I thought was interesting that you might like is, do you, are you, do you remember the name Brian Fuller by any chance? Mm -mm. So this episode was written by someone named Brian Fuller. Um, He actually created Discovery, but had squabbles with CBS because of his story ideas. And he had to step down in the first season, even before the first season aired, um, because of creative differences, which is a shame because his pitch for Discovery sounds freaking incredible. Um, But Brian Fuller is someone I actually really admire. And why I said you might recognize him is because he either wrote or created some shows I really like, like Hannibal, American Gods, and notably, maybe one of my favorite shows and your favorite shows of all time, he is the creator and showrunner of Pushing Daisies. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, which is an awesome show. And I think you can kind of see stylistically, now that you put it in that context, how weird and quirky and cool the Captain Proton thing is compared to his work on Pushing Daisies, which is very whimsical and visual in a very cool way. Yeah. Um, huh. And I just have to say this too, because I think you would find this interesting, is he has a kind of crazy story about how he got hired, is Star Trek has this wild policy that might be a genius, but seems insane, that you know they needed a ton of episodes, and the episodes kind of stand alone and not tie into the greater story. So Star Trek writers would accept story ideas from literally anyone who mailed them in, so they would uh-huh. just get submissions from fans for story ideas or scripts. And if they were good, they would make them. Yeah, and so that's that. how Fuller got his start. He met Ronald D. Moore, who was oh, a writer genius. on Next Generation at the time. And his script was actually rejected, but they liked it. So they let him pitch, which led to him getting a job on Voyager and Deep Space Nine, which I mm-hmm. thought was pretty wild and I kind of an interesting it's like, way. It's like walk-ons in basketball. Yeah, totally. Isn't that right? Isn't that rad? Yeah, I love that. Um, and then this is just apropos of nothing, but I, I listened to an interview where he told that story and he said something very interesting about Star Trek that I want to bring up and just get your general thoughts about is he said, quote, conservatives like Star Trek for the reason that is different than the way liberals like Star Trek. And that's fascinating because I feel like conservatives like the quasi fascist military regime while everyone's behaving well and there's no wild expressions of personality that can't be quantified by science. And liberals love the inclusivity, inclusivity and the hope for the future that we're all going to get along and accept each other's differences and celebrate them. Mm. And everyone has a place on a ship. And I thought that was kind of a very interesting quote, which I'd never thought about, about how, because it is true that I think Star Trek is very universally loved. Yeah. But people who are a little more conservative probably love it for the military reasons and everything has order and the liberals love it for the bright new future of it all. And I think that's pretty freaking fascinating. Yeah. That's super cool. Uh, I I like that. I mean, I like that multiple people can get, can get things. Yeah. Um, I know that seven of nine also, that was another character I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mention. Um, she is an awesome character, which I remember as well. You know, I, I don't like to harp on this too much because it's like the whole, like, you know, we're not the bro show. It's like, Oh man, she's such a babe. But I think, you know, you did mention it and respectfully, I do remember that she was probably my first like Hollywood crush. Yeah, I was at that, that was, age yeah. where I was just like, wow, that was, she's really. And so, you know, that's influential, but you know, Jerry Ryan also is an awesome Awesome actor, especially 
when she gets to do action, which happens a bit in this show, mm. and she 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 comes back in the new Picard series as well, Whoa. and it does cool action stuff. And she's such an interesting character. I talked about the Borg, um, which they're kind of a hive mind uh, zombie yeah. race that's super scary, and they'll assimilate you and turn you into a Borg. It's like kind of a cyborg zombie yeah. person without a personality. And they found her and essentially deborgified her and yeah. invited her to Star Starfleet. And so she's the first Borg Starfleet officer, which is a really interesting thing. And so she kind of plays that data role of being the out of place person of, yeah, she doesn't know how things work and doesn't get humor and things like that. And I thought she is an awesome character. So I just wanted to call her out and because yeah. I, I, that's a great character as well. It's awesome. I, it's, it's similar to, um, Deanna, is that who it was? Um, I do question why she Deanna has Troy. to, ha yeah, why she has yeah. to have an outfit that's different than everyone. Yep, exactly. Uh, I mean, I think we know the reason why. Yeah, we, we, we don't agree yeah. with it, and yeah, I think it's a that that part's a shame. But yeah, um, I just want to call that out. Um, but do you have any other thoughts or notes about the this uh, episode? I had a couple Easter eggy things that you may enjoy, but I just wanted to wrap up our general thoughts about how you liked the Voyager experience, how you liked this episode before we get to the little Easter eggs and the ending of this. Yeah. I, I still like Voyager. It's confirmed that I just, I, I think what it is, is the cast. I think Yeah, maybe it's, I don't know if it's that I'm familiar with them, but I just like this cast more than anyone. Mm -hmm. um, there's just, I don't know. Like if there was a crew I'd want to be a part of, it would it'd probably be this one. It's just something about, who they chose, who they picked, who they casted, and mm -hmm. the personality totally. is just our, you know, no one's a, besides maybe that one guy, no one's a, no Harris, one's too much of a, Tom yeah, <laughs> no one's too much of a big shot, which I really like. Totally. Because yeah, I, I like a, that. Anytime I don't get the, a bro vibe from someone, I'm like, kind oh, of cool. Yeah. And I think it's a thing that, like, Star Trek is the best when you start to really feel like the crew is a family. Yeah. Um, That's why I like Firefly so much. Yeah. And that's a great example of that. And so I think that's, it takes a while for some of the cast to, to gel. And I think that's maybe a little bit of the reason why I don't like the original series is I think maybe because of its time, maybe because of other things that they never really felt much like a family. You know, I mm -hmm. didn't really think like Kirk and Uhura were doing Thanksgiving dinner together, for example. Yeah. Uh, but the other series, they do that really well. And I think maybe that's part of the function of, you know, you're with on your very first mission, you're lost at sea with these 130 different people are you going to, you're either going to kill each other or you're going to come together in a very cool way. And I think the, how they, the cast that they picked, the way that people acted, the way they wrote them, I think they really were successful in making me feel like they love each other and they're a family in a cool way. And yeah, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. Then it was, I was just nice revisiting it. Like I said, I don't remember a lot about Voyager, but it felt nostalgic. Like when the theme music came on, I was like, oh, I remember this. It was like a yeah. sense of memory that just instantly flooded back to me yeah. in a very cool way. And so that was a fun feeling to revisit this as well. So I'm, I'm stoked we got to do this. 100%. This was a good one. Yeah. Cool. Um, I had a couple just very fun little Easter eggs. At least I think they're fun is um, that we talked about the, I made a joke in another episode about the Star Trek caves, which is a set oh, yeah. that they just had like one cave and they just would film it with different lighting and different angles. And uh, they visit the Star Trek caves on this and Harry Kim even makes a 
makes a comment where he says, oh, hey, this planet looks suspiciously like the Mines of Mercury, which was an episode they saw that they were in before. Oh, and nice. that was an in-joke to the fact that they used the same set in both of those episodes. And I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, I like that. That Those are the kind of jokes. I mean, yeah. yeah. I love little yeah. quips and like then, that. As a Star Trek IV super fan, I thought uh-huh. you would appreciate uh-huh. that. There's that. There's a little now. line. Yeah, I know. It's great. When they're stuck in that subspace trench or whatever it is, Paris says, well, we can get out and push. That was a reference to Scotty saying the same thing about their ship breaking down, saying, well, we could get out and push uh, in Star Trek Four. Or so, was that a reference to Star Wars? Or it was a reference to Star Wars. That is actually the first thing that came to mind when I heard that. Yeah. Um so we're we're bringing the people together. So I liked both of those. Any thoughts before we close this out, Mike? No, Are do we it. setting Voyager adrift? Do it. Let's do it. Let's wrap this. Great. So I want to say thank you again, Mike, for going along with it on this journey with me. Um, I I had a lot of fun introducing you to this and being able to chat about it. And I you know I hope that. Our Star Trek journey continues together mm. as we age in this life. Bless us all, everyone. Yes, exactly. So I am not going to roll dice for this one because I have an idea for what I want to do for our very last episode. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to make you watch a bad one. So you dodge that bullet, um, and I am happy with that. Gee, so. My. Some programming notes for the listener. The next episode, like I said, will be our last episode of this limited series. And then we will be jumping into talking about the book of Boba Fett. Oh, Um, yeah. I think we are excited. And I think maybe you and I should do a quick pod at some point before it actually drops. So we can kind of talk about our expectations about book of Boba Fett and what we're looking forward to and what we are, I don't know, what we're hoping for, our hopes and dreams, et cetera, Mm. et cetera. Mm. But... For now, our last episode of Trek Wars, I am going to ask a big lift from you, if that is okay. I'm going to ask you to watch two things. They're not not super long, but it's going to be about an hour and a half of viewing. And I want to use this as a platform to talk about the current state and the future of Star Trek because they are doing some pretty interesting things. And so I would like you to watch two of the current series that are running on paramount plus i already know that you are watching discovery so it's not going to be that um but i will suggest to anyone who is into this at all to check out discovery and give it a fair chance because i think it does some cool stuff even if it is kind of uneven but the two things i'm going to ask you to watch the first one this is going to take very little um explanation so i will just tell you up front this is called star trek prodigy and i'm going to ask you to watch the pilot episode of star trek prodigy it's called lost and found parts one and two and you don't need to know much about this but i thought this would be really good because this is a show that debuted in october so it's very new it is an animated series that's a young adult animated series Mm, okay is essentially star trek rebels it seems like exactly what they were trying to do with Star Wars Rebels, which I think would be great for us to talk about because if you don't know, if you're just tuning into our show, we started as a Star Wars Rebels rewatch podcast. So um, this show is right up our alley. It even features a 
annoyingly cocky main character who's dealing with the loss of his parents. And so very Ezra Bridger-esque main protagonist. So I think that'd be really interesting to get your thoughts. And I think they're trying to do something very new with Star Trek in a cool way. So again, that's Star Trek Prodigy pilot episode, Lost and Found Parts 1 and 2. The other one... I hope you would just have fun with this because this is a series I really love. It's controversial in a lot of ways we'll get into. Um, But this is called Star Trek Lower Decks. So it's another animated series, but this one's an adult animated series. Um, It's not like super inappropriate. It's not, you know, Rick and Morty specifically, but it's much more in that Mm, that vibe. It's it's a comedy aimed at 30-year-olds. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That one I'm trepidatious of. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm interested. If it's it's anywhere near Rick and Morty, I'm out. Okay, fair enough. We'll see. I, I will be interested to see if it is anywhere near Rick and Morty. I have, I don't think, I think there's a clear differentiation between them. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll see how you like it. But there is a little bit of explanation that would be good for you to know is it, it focuses on the lower deck crew. So this is actually inspired by an episode of The Next Generation, which is a really cool episode of Next Generation called Lower Decks. Because on all these shows, we're following the officers, the bridge crew, and things like that. I mean, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey, I get it. exactly. The lower decks are the people who are like the janitors and the people who clean the crew quarters. And so the show follows four lower deckers on the jankiest ship in the fleet. It's It's a... ship that does all the paperwork after first contact. They just don't have a lot of respect. And the crew is a medical officer in training and a low-level engineer. But the two main characters you need to know is Ensign Bradward Boimler, who's a <laughs> classic top-of-his-class try-hard uh, commander, and he loves Starfleet and wants to follow all the rules, and his only dream is to work his way up to the captain's chair. And then this is the thing that you need to know to have context for this episode, because otherwise you're going to be confused. Slight spoilers for episode one, but it's not a big secret. The real main character, the one that this episode uh, focuses on, is Beckett Mariner, who she is one of the most talented members of Starfleet. She's incredibly skilled in every way. She has She's an insane combatant. She's really smart. She's basically a badass action hero that saves the day all the way and like just kicks ass all the time. But her dad is a Starfleet admiral, and her mom is actually the judgmental captain of the ship she is serving on, which is a secret from everyone on the crew. So the only people who know that they're related is the captain and Beckett Mariner. Mm. And because of that, she could be promoted at any time. She's so good, but she purposely flaunts the rules and rebels against authority to basically get back at mom and dad because they kind of forced her into Star Trek. And so she's like, she keeps getting demoted because she's comfortable on the lower deck. She doesn't want to move up the ranks. She just wants to hang out with her friends and just be a badass and have everyone admire her for being a badass. Um, And so I just wanted to give you that context because there's some clues about that and the episode will pay off later. And if you didn't know they were related and that's kind of her vibe of being kind of rebelling against mom and dad, then you might be a little confused. Okay. Um, And then also just keep an eye out because connected to the episode we just watched, there's a pretty subtle holodeck joke about how everyone just uses the holodeck for sex and someone needs to clean out the bio filters from time to time. So uh, that's a, that's a little Easter egg connected to this episode. So that the episode of lower decks that you're going to watch is called moist vessel. It's season one, episode four. So again, you're going to watch the pilot of star Trek prodigy and star Trek lower decks season one, episode four moist vessel. Mm, What a name. 
I know. Right. So thank you again for going along with this. Thank you for being flexible. And thanks for watching an hour and a half of animated stuff that I'm making you do. And then we'll <laughs> close this out and get back to star Wars. Uh, where I know it's your happy place. Oh my gosh. You have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I, you, I, I think I would consider my, I mean, we can, we'll talk about this later. We'll, we'll talk about it at the end, whether or not I'm a, I'm a star Trek fan now, Fair. but all I do know is I am a star Wars fan. That's the yep. one thing this is reinforced is okay. I have yeah. a, I, I understand why now I'm a Star a Star Wars fan. You know, I love yeah. that. And, and I think that's going to be a really cool conversation to have. Sweet. All right. Um, thank you so much for listening. Mike, would you like to tell people where they can find us? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Rebels Rebels Pod. Or you can always email the show at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com. Yes. And again, we love that. We got, I love that I got to do this. Thank you for coming along with this and for all of y'all in the audience live long and prosper. Yeah. And and something about Star Trek. Yep. And I am going to go drink four Red Bulls. Bye. Go to bed. (laughs) 